And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I am so delighted with my guest today because it's somebody who I have actually wanted to be on the program for several years, and she's just so busy, which is, of course, a very good thing. But today, I am so delighted that we are joined by Christy Hines. So welcome, Christy. Hi, thanks for having me on. Well, you know, let me tell folks just a little bit about you before we get started. So Christy is a freelance writer and a professional blogger who has been covering business and online marketing topics since 2008. After establishing her blog, Kikolani, she began to expand her reach by contributing popular online publications, including Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Watch, and Social Media Examiner. Around the same time, she entered the world of freelance writing and started working with awesome companies including Kissmetrics, Sprout Social, and Unbounce. Since then, Christy has had the pleasure of helping many more amazing companies with content development, including American Express, Big Commerce, Capital One, Crazy Egg, Digital Marketer, FreshBooks, HubSpot, iAcquire, and some all. Her freelance writing portfolio contains, get this folks, Over a thousand articles that have generated over 700,000 social shares. In addition to developing content, she has an audience of over 100,000 fans and followers across Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus, and Pinterest. This allows Christy to distribute the content she creates for clients to help them reach new audiences and grow awareness for their businesses, products, and services. She has a whole boatload of certifications and special trainings that she has, so Christy truly is an expert in helping people craft and distribute their messages and get them to the right people. So again, Christy, welcome. Thank you. Well, first big question, how did you get into this? Why did you decide that this was something that you wanted to do? Um, I didn't really decide. Like, it wasn't a deliberate decision. <laughs> I, um, I've been blogging for a couple of years, and somebody reached out to me and said, hey, we'll, we'll pay you to write the same post you're writing for other people for our site. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a good offer I couldn't refuse. So I'm like, okay. Right. You know, same thing I'm already doing anyway. Might as well. <laughs> and that turned out to be my first client and then just kind of snowballed from there. Nice. Well, and you know, you, you started your own blog, Kikolani. Tell us a little bit about it. And, and are you still blogging? Um, well, it's hard to blog for yourself when you're writing for a bunch of other people. So right. I don't really write for my own sites as much anymore. But um, I originally mm-hmm. started that blog as more of a creativity outlet. I used to do like poetry and photography and things like that. Okay. So that's what I started that blog as. And it kind of evolved because as I was like sharing stuff, I was just like, I want people to see this. So I started Mm -hmm. getting more into the blog marketing aspect of like, how do you get traffic to your website? And then Mm -hmm. as I was doing that, I was like, Ooh, I want to write about this. And then, so I just kind of evolved it from there. 
Right. You know, and, and what I like about you is, you know, I mentioned those boatload of certifications. A lot of those pertain specifically to, you know, how to make sure that, that search engines are finding your posts and, and doing all of those things. Um, and, you know, that's, that's so important because people will say, well, I blog, I write, I write, I write, I write, I write, and nobody ever reads it. So for those people, what do you tell them? Because they, you, you want to encourage them, otherwise they're going to stop. Um, I tell them it's a lot more about promotion. Like, obviously, you have to have really good content. But a lot of people have great content. But they usually mm -hmm. spend so much time, like, creating that content. They, As soon as they're done and they publish it, they're like, okay, let's post the, you know, something else. And they don't think about mm -hmm. actually, pub, like, promoting the content they just mm -hmm. published. So that's the big thing I see with a lot of people is they have really great content. But they don't actually do anything with it after they've published it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, I am guilty of this. I will, and, and I haven't blogged in a while. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I've been so busy with clients ooh, um, that I haven't been blogging. But I would do the one post after to talk about my, you know, and that was on Facebook, that was on Twitter, whatever. And then I never talked it about, it, uh, about it again. That, you know, it, because we do, we get sidetracked. Is there a golden rule of, you know, how many times you should keep talking about it or, you know, when you talk about promotion, what do you tell people? Um, I tell people that like, if it's a really great content and it's not very time specific, so, you know, it's not something like, Hey, next week I'm doing this, you know, obviously mm -hmm. you wouldn't be promoting that two or three months from now, but if it's a topic that kind of is always applicable, you should really always mm -hmm. be promoting it. So right. like maybe once a week, once a month, you know, you should be like sharing it on social media. If you see somebody mm -hmm. asking a question relating to it, you should just say, hey, I wrote a blog post about that. Send it over. Mm -hmm. Like you should always keep the co like your top content in mind. So if you see an opportunity to promote it, you do. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the people that comes to mind um, when I think about this is Jeff Bulis. You know, he constantly is reposting his blog posts and you know clearly there are some that he doesn't because they are uh they're not evergreen content but he's always 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 talking about his posts in the past and so they're getting fabulous comments and coverage and and things like that and it's just a matter of thinking every day okay i'm going to talk about these three blog posts that i've done in the past or you know whatever the formula is mm -hmm. Yeah, some people do have, um, like, the scheduling software. So, like, as soon as mm -hmm. they publish something, they just set up updates to kind of keep mm -hmm. going out forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. As long right. as you're writing the evergreen content, you know, that's totally a great way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest things that people come up, and, and this was, of course, my problem also when, when I started blogging, was actually getting started. So why you know why should people even blog what is the importance of it um well from a search engine standpoint it gives your website more content so you know mm -hmm. obviously if you have one page google can only check out that one page if you have 20 pages you know that gives google more things to come and check out and if you're adding more content constantly it gives google a reason to keep coming back to your website mm -hmm. and basically it's just the more opportunity to reach people so if you you know, like if you have one keyword that you rank for, then the only way people are going to find you is just that one keyword. But if you rank for like a mm -hmm. hundred, then that's like a hundred different ways people can find you. And really that's the great part of blogging is, you know, it's just so easy to rank for stuff if you just do it the right way. Mm -hmm. So how does, you know, cause that's the thing is, is actually getting started. And we've heard all sorts of things. Like I had somebody that, that told me initially, oh, you have to have 20 blog posts completely written before you ever start blogging. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah. And, you know, and, and then you've got the, well, it should only be 250 words or, oh my gosh, it should be a thousand words. And clearly this is all subjective and it depends on what you're doing and things like that. But if you've got, say, a business owner who comes up to you and says, okay, Christy, I'm going to start blogging. Walk us through that process of, you know, what you tell people when they really are just a total newbie to this. Um, well, it's like, as far as word count length, it's kind of depends on what industry you're in and mm -hmm. who you're trying right. to compete with. Like if you want to be mm -hmm. the next social media examiner, you're going to need to publish posts every day that are like about, right. you know, mm -hmm. 1500 words each. But, you know, like for a business owner, they don't necessarily need to do that. In a lot of cases, they're just trying to be more informative for their customers. And mm -hmm. that you could probably do once a week with maybe like a 500 to 750 word blog post. So okay. a lot just depends on like what your big goals are mm -hmm. and everything. And I mean, and it also depends on your audience. Do you have a technical audience who wants the big meaty post or do you have people mm -hmm. who just need like some quick information just to kind of demonstrate that you know what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it's just, um, I always tell people to kind of look at their main competitors okay. and see what they're doing. Cause you know, if you, if you're thinking you need to do a post a day and your competitors are all doing a post a week, you know, you could probably relax. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and I mean, there are those that think, well, then, you know, it would be better to be doing more than my competitors, but you know, if the competitors are competitors have been doing it for a while, they've figured out what their uh, readers want and and once a week is probably it exactly yeah because I mean especially for like really small businesses it's not like somebody's gonna go check out a chiropractic blog every single day mm -hmm. you know they probably just want that little bit of nugget of information mm -hmm. and yeah if you don't put pressure on yourself that's another really good way to keep your blog successful because if you try to do like a post every single day you're gonna burn out really fast unless that's right. just the only thing you do <laughs> all mm -hmm. day long so you know, and, and it's funny because I've seen people who have have done the I am going to post every single day commitment and it shows, you know, their their blog posts get shorter and shorter and clearly they don't have something to say. And, and I think that's where people really get stuck is they're thinking, well, you know, I have to post once a week or I have to post once a day and then they run out of things to say and it, it shows. I mean, you know, even the big guys who are used to posting all the time, there are times where I look at their paragraph because that's all they're, they're putting out there. And I think, Hmm, maybe they should have skipped it today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never want to be that. Um, cause I mean, if you're posting a lot and then people start reading, they're like, eh, this isn't really that great. They're not going to come mm -hmm. back to read your stuff. But if you post like even one article a month and it's just like a super amazing article, people are going to just be like, Oh, I can't wait till this person writes mm -hmm. something again. And you'd rather be on the latter end than the former. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I tell people start slower, you know, maybe it is one a month. And then if that works, okay, go to two a month and, and every week and, and take the stress off of thinking, Oh my gosh, I have to post every, every day. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, on my main business website, I think I've done three posts probably in the last year, but those were like mm -hmm. really awesome posts. So they continually right. get traffic mm -hmm. and I can just promote them anytime I want. Cause they're just topics mm -hmm. that people are always going to be interested in. And right. that, that's really all I need. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I saw one of the last ones that you did and it's, it's for those people who think, I don't know what to post. What do I post? So kind of walk us through, because that is the biggest thing is people, they always, whether it's social media, whether it's a blog, as they say, I don't know what to write. And, and, you know, how do people find content and, and, you know, 
what is the kind of that that magic sauce for people? Um, it all really depends on the person. That's actually why I wrote like so many different resources. Some people are really mm-hmm. technical. They're like, "Ooh, I want to do really good at search, so I want to see what mm-hmm. keywords are going to work in my industry, and I want to write about that." And some people are more just like, you know, I just want to help out my customers. In which case, they need to listen to the customer, like the questions mm-hmm. people are asking them. And Mm -hmm. that always comes as good blog topics. You know, they might not be like popular on social media, but they're going to be popular to the people that really count for your business. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, for some people, it might be just like going to a bookstore, picking up a book about, you know, something in their niche and then just kind of looking through the chapters and they might go, that might be, you know, a good thing I can explore Mm -hmm. on my blog. So it just really depends on where you feel you get the most inspiration and like really tapping into that resource. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, it, that is probably one of the things that I actually do hear the most is, is I don't know what to write or I don't know what to post on social media. And, you know, it's, I, I've had some people that told me, well, my industry is so boring. People won't care about it. Uh, you know, it's gotta be. And then my first thought was, well, do you find it that boring? And sometimes they've told me yes. And I'm thinking, okay, you're in the wrong line of business. <laughs> But, you know, a, a great example is insurance. You know, I've, I've had people who said it, it is, it's boring. Well, no, it's not. You know, there's continually changes to, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, the rules change and, you know, things like that. And, but it's not just that you're talking about insurance. Maybe it's that you're talking about, okay, well, hey, there was this big flood that went through. So what do you need to know from an insurance perspective pertaining to that? And, you know, you never want to take advantage of, of situations, but people have questions when things like that come up. And, you know, people want to know what happens. I was talking to somebody just the other day who has a teenage male driver whose grades dropped. And so they were no longer getting that special discount. And so they were interested in what were their options, you know, and, and so it, it, there's always content out there. You just have to stop and think about it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like you shouldn't focus on who is it boring. You should look at like, is mm-hmm. it useful? Cause like, obviously, yes. you know, no one's going to just come home and be like, yeah, I'm excited to read about insurance. But like when people right. need that information, mm-hmm. like they really want a reliable source for it. And if you could provide mm-hmm. that, you might get some business out of it. Right. And it is about making yourself that reliable source so that people know, hey, you know, this person, maybe they, maybe it's not all that interesting, but I know when I need insurance or when I need my house painted or when I need social media support, here's who I need to go to. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really just about like finding a way to be valuable to your potential customers from a business mm-hmm. standpoint or, you know, whoever your audience is. You don't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, like a TV show entertainment. You just have to be valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that you talked about in that post of, you know, where to find content was getting guest bloggers. What exactly, you know, I know what a guest blogger is, but walk people through, you know, why they might want to use a guest blogger or my, they, why they might want to be a guest blogger for somebody else. Um, well, as far as getting guest bloggers on your, your website, you want to mm-hmm. find people who your audience is, are going to be really interested in hearing from. Mm-hmm. And that kind of takes the pressure off of you for having to create all your content and just like mm-hmm. letting somebody else kind of do it for you. And um, mm-hmm. the big thing for that is if you're inviting somebody on your website, you want to make sure they're giving you content that's the highest quality, like as high of a quality that you would publish yourself. You mm-hmm. don't want to just invite anyone just to kind of fill up the space. That's a lot of mistake right. that some people have is they just have a site that's like full of content, but it's not necessarily great content. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as being a guest blogger yourself, that's a really great way to meet up, like reach other audiences. Mm -hmm. That's really how I started my business was I was guest blogging for all those big sites and people started seeing Mm -hmm. me everywhere and they're like, Ooh, I want to have that kind of content on my website. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely a great way to reach new people. So did you go to those sites with a pitch to say, hey, I've got these ideas, or did you have blogs already written? What was that process? Um, In my case, it was with pitches. I just kind of went to the site and said, you know, hey, I've been following you guys for a really long time. I love your content. Mm-hmm. I'd like to contribute something that's kind of, you know, similar. And then I just kind of gave them some ideas, and they would say, oh, I like this, and then I'd write it for them. It's usually mm-hmm. a less, like... You should definitely like look at the guidelines for every website you want to write for. Like some people will say, send me a whole blog post when it's ready. And some people will say, send me five ideas and I'll give you, mm-hmm. okay. you know, my opinion. So it's really just about like reading the guidelines and doing exactly what the site wants. Mm-hmm. Well, and you'd mentioned that you told them that, you know, you, you love their content. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me when I get a pitch. And, and typically it comes through LinkedIn, which I think is very funny, where they will say, I love your blog and I would like to provide content and here's what I've got. And it's something totally off the wall that, you know, it might be interesting, but it doesn't pertain to me. And so clearly they're just pitching it to anybody who might bite. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, you know, people out there who say, you know, make sure you sound like you're a reader of the site, but you, you definitely should be a reader of the site if you yeah. contribute mm-hmm. to it. So like when I tell people I really like their content, it's usually because I honestly really like their content. Like some sites I'll follow for a couple of years and then eventually just be like, Hey, I'd like to send this. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, you definitely legitimately need to be a follower of the site, so you know like the kind of stuff they write, what kind of stuff's popular, mm-hmm. you know, so you're mm-hmm. not sending them like the same topic or something completely off base. Right. Does it help to have been commenting on on some of the posts that are there, so that they kind of know who you are already? Yeah, um, that has helped in some of my cases because people will be like, oh, I recognize you from your tweets or your comments or things like that. So like, if you can figure out like who the site owner is or the site editor. And be like really active with their posts, like that'll definitely mm-hmm. help when you actually go out to reach out for people. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, you know, I want to talk about some of the services that you provide because a lot of our listeners are extremely busy business owners who, when we talk about the fact that you need to be blogging, you need to be posting on social media, they look at us and their little eyes cross and they say, I don't have time to do that. And, and I mean, they're, they're truthful. It, there really is only 28 hours in somebody's day. And you know, it doesn't feel like that sometimes, you know, where you're thinking, oh, I'm just, I have no, no, I just can't get everything done. But what, one of the things that I love the most about what you provide, and I know almost nothing about it, so I really want to ask a lot of questions, is ghostwriting. So how do you, well, first of all, what is ghostwriting? And then what's the process that you use to work with somebody to be a ghostwriter? Uh, well, basically, ghostwriting is I write content for people, they put their name on it, and they publish it on their website, or they submit it okay. to another site as a guest post. And um, effectively, it is for people who, like, they have the knowledge, they have the ideas, they just don't have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, just where I fit in is they'll send me over kind of like, here's what I'd really like to write about. I write it for them. They go back in. They add their kind of personal touches and everything, and they use it with their name on it. Okay. 
do they do you interview them or you know do they just send you content i mean what is that process um most of the people i have uh they just send me the ideas because like a lot of people have like a ton of ideas of stuff they want to write and they just don't have the time to do it so some people will just send me like this huge spreadsheet and say here's all the stuff i've been oh. wanting to write about okay. on my blog and Mm -hmm. They just know, like, from the writing they've seen me published, whether or not I can kind of do that for them. And, mm -hmm. yeah, we just kind of go from there. Well, and what I love then is that it, it you know, they personalize it. They finish it. You know, they, they make it their own. And then it goes out under their name. Yeah, I mean, it's a really great way to kind of build your authority. And no matter what industry you're in is to have content that's actually under your name. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, I could put it under my name, but then it just kind of makes me the you know, the topic expert. Right. If you own a business, mm -hmm. you really want to be that topic expert. And that's where the mm -hmm. ghostwriting comes in. Mm -hmm. Are there any industries that you specifically like to, to write about? Um, I particularly focus on um, anything to do with marketing and business topics. That's kind of my, okay. my specialty. But I mean, mm -hmm. you can find ghostwriters who can write about, you know, anything out there. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you really don't want to write about? Um, I typically, <laughs> I don't like to write about things I'm not really, uh, really knowledgeable about. So like, obviously mm -hmm. I wouldn't write about anything about medical or legal mm -hmm. insurance. Cause that's just not something I know, but right. I used to work with internet marketing services. So that's something I know. And that's something mm -hmm. I can write about. Cause I've done it for myself. I've done mm -hmm. it for clients. I've done it for mm -hmm. businesses. And well, but of course the cool thing is maybe it's a, you know, a medical or a legal client, but they need you to talk about marketing. And so then that ties back in to, to what you can do. Um, yeah, I have done some very uh, niche marketing topics. I've done for real estate. I've done for dental services. I've done for, mm -hmm. um, I think, a funeral home once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, marketing is marketing. You have to use right. like, different terms to kind of like, because like some people, instead of saying customers, you would say patients and, mm -hmm. you know. Clients, yeah. Clients, families, things. loved ones, things like that. So. Yeah, a lot of, like, in those cases, it's just a matter of changing the way you reference things. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm looking on your website and seeing is that you do white papers. And in some industries, that is still very important. So what is a, a white paper, and, and why do industries still use those? Um, white papers, uh, when somebody goes to download one, they know it's going to be a very technical, you know, filled with numbers, filled with examples, mm -hmm. filled with, you know, case study kind of thing. Um, so it's just like a more technical blog post, effectively. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody's definition, I've found is really different. I mean, some people call mm -hmm. it a white paper and it's really just a blog post. And some people do blog posts that really should be white papers. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. When they're turning into two and 3,000 word articles. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, some people publish effectively ebooks as blog posts. So mm -hmm. it, everybody's definition is different. And I just kind of go with whatever clients want mm -hmm. at that point. <laughs> well, and the nice thing is a lot of this it can start out as one thing and evolve into something else. You know, a blog post might turn into five posts on social media or, you know, all those things. And, and to me, that's the value of this because it's not just that it's a blog post. It is something that, that you can use in multiple places. So how is it that, that, you know, do you do something like that? And, and what do you find really works? Um, I always suggest that clients should repurpose content. So, okay. Let's say you wrote like a five 1,000 word blog post, for example. Um, if they're on a similar topic, maybe you could combine them into an ebook. 
Maybe mm-hmm. you could take like a really short summary of it and publish it on your LinkedIn profile as like, you know, the mm-hmm. blog post there or Facebook notes is the new thing or medium. Um, mm-hmm. if, uh, if you could turn it into a slideshow, if you could turn it into an audio recording. I know social media examiners have been doing that lately. They've been turning a lot of the posts into podcasts. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely about repurposing. So that way, instead of like just publishing the blog post and being done with it, you're getting a lot of value out of it. Mm-hmm. Are there some type of blog posts that work better than other types? Um, it really depends on your industry and your audience. I mean, obviously there's some, like a how-to post may not be something you'd put into audio because people need to see the screenshots or something. So you really have to mm-hmm. think about like what format it translates best in. Because like if it's a list mm-hmm. post, you could definitely make that into a SlideShare presentation just because mm-hmm. it's just like one slide per list item. So yeah, it's each blog post is kind of different, but you just kind of have to look at like, you know, thematically what goes together, what can be combined, what can be split up, things like Mm -hmm. that. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think people do get stumped and, and they're thinking, what the heck do I do? Are there, you know, you've got some great resources. Talk about some of these resources when somebody is going, oh my gosh, I, I just don't know what to, to do or what to write about. Where are some places that people, you know, you talked about their competitors. What are some other great content sources for people? Um, I like to do all top. Like that site is um, basically they have a lot of the top blogs on just almost every topic from A to Z, literally. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that website, like you could go there, you can look up your topic and it'll show you like the top blogs on that topic. And it'll show you like mm-hmm. the latest five posts for each one of those blogs. Ah. So like if you're really stuck, you could go to one of those pages, look at what other people are talking about. And obviously you don't want to copy them, but it's more of a, ooh, everybody's talking about this. So let me go research it on my own, make a unique post mm-hmm. out of it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm a very keyword person. So I'll go to Google AdWords. I'll put something in there. It'll spit out like a couple of hundred of different related keywords. And then I'll just go through a list in Excel and just say, okay, that would make a good topic. That would make it a good topic. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I like to use is BuzzSumo because it will basically, you can enter a keyword and it'll show you like the most popular post on that topic. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that's kind of inspiring because if you're like, oh, what am I going to write about Facebook? And you could go in there and be like, oh, everybody's talking about Facebook ads right now. And then you can kind of look at those posts, see what they're, you know, what they're including, what they might be missing, mm-hmm. kind of come up with the topic from there. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I love to do is just look at like five to 10 posts on a topic, see what people may not be, you know, writing about, like, you know, somebody might have one point, somebody else might have another point, but no one really combines them and says, like, why those are important. Ah. Mm -hmm. So kind of like making a more comprehensive thing that everybody else has. That's Mm -hmm. always really worked well for me. And um, sometimes it's just about solving your own problems. And then once you solve it, and then putting it into a blog post, like if you're Mm -hmm. struggling with something, chances are somebody else is too. And if you write about it, you know, you'll be helping somebody, they'll find it interesting. Right. Well, and, and I tell people, you know, ask the people who are either your customer service people or your sales people, which, you know, I realize in some cases it's one person that's that's doing all of yep. this. But <laughs> if there's if there's a question that one person asked, 
other people want to know too. You know, there's, there's no such thing as a unique question. So, you know, what are the top 10 questions that your salespeople get? Or, you know, what are, what are people coming back to customer service over and over again and asking to be a new feature or to explain, you know, there's, there's lots of ways out there that people can find content. Exactly. Yeah. And some, another point is like, if you don't have a lot of customers at the beginning, you could always go look at your competitors. Like if they have an Mm -hmm. FAQ page or a support forum and see like what they're customers are asking and maybe if you can incorporate that on your website that can also be really useful because you know obviously if they're a competitor they're gonna have the same kind of customers and those people are mm-hmm. gonna have the same kind of questions mm-hmm. do you ever look at what's trending you know maybe it's on youtube or facebook or twitter and and get ideas for topics there um sometimes it doesn't really fit for the stuff i write about mostly because mm-hmm. most of the trending stuff is usually politics and entertainment and, oh, yeah mm-hmm. and i'm not so much into the <laughs> sensational headline kind mm-hmm. of thing but for some people you know it depends on your industry it depends on your writing style if you can kind of you know turn your industry into like what you learned from the walking dead or something mm-hmm. like right. you know if you can do that that's definitely a fun thing to do so mm-hmm. Well, and, and I love, you know, the, the thought of being able to do something like that is taking something that is current and, you know, maybe maybe being able to use it for your industry. Yeah, and you just have to be really careful about what you do, like research whatever that trend is and make sure it's not right. something sensitive because I know there's been social media blunders where people have taken mm-hmm. like a protest and made something funny out of it when it really shouldn't mm-hmm. have been funny. <laughs> right. So oh, definitely yeah. whatever the trend is, really research it and make sure you know what it's about before you try to play off of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I forget who it was. It was one of my guests on my radio program said, you know, there's, there's a listing somewhere on the internet of the national whatevers of the day, you know, national, you know, coffee day, national free donut day, you know, all those various things. And he tries to write his social media posts pertaining to something like that with his business. And so you're know, like on, on national coffee day, it was, you know, hey, you know, it is National Coffee Day. I'd love to take you to to coffee if you're a new customer or something like that. And, you know, so obviously this is for much shorter posts, but is that something that, that people could find valuable? Uh, definitely. I mean, any business that's any any relation to coffee could <laughs> play off of right. that. And ice cream and donuts and, you know, all those fun things. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of it's just like for social media posts, it's perfect because those aren't going to be things that you're going to be promoting long term anyway. So mm-hmm. um, if it's something that you're just looking for instant visibility, it definitely works. Um, if you're looking for something evergreen, you know, focusing on a, something for the day may not be the best solution because that that's not something you could promote all the time, but right. But yeah, mm-hmm. if you're just looking for like a quick idea, it definitely would work. You can look for like, you know, the different holidays or the different things that people are celebrating. And mm-hmm. again, make sure it's researched, make sure it's nothing sensitive. But <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and, and you're right. We have seen blunders where people have looked at the, you know, they've, they've seen a hashtag and then they, they've just immediately jumped on it. And, and, you know, it, whether it's a blog post or they're just posting and commenting, you know, I've, I've mentioned this uh, several times. Uh, uh, one of the things that happened with me, and this was after I moved was, you know, from, from Denver to Atlanta was when the shootings happened in Aurora at the, the movie theater. And so the, the hashtag Aurora was trending. Well, there's a clothing store out of the United Kingdom that is named Aurora. 
And they jumped on it without realizing why it was trending and did some pretty bad posts. And then, of course, oh, you know, the, the social media world just lambasted them and they they apologized. They did all sorts of stuff. But, you know, it, it is something that, you know, you should never, ever leap into without knowing what it is. Yeah, exactly. I If I think about using a trending hashtag, I always click on it, look on all the posts about it. And you can't just look at one or two and be like, oh, okay, that's what it's about. You have to look at like a long (laughs) string Mm -hmm. of things just to make sure you fully understand what it's about before you try to. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and you should always, you know, before you use any hashtag, unless it's a hashtag you created, you should research it and and see, you know, what has been posting about it. Uh, You know, you might think it's cute and that it's funny or, you know, pertains, but maybe it was something that had, you know, a totally different connotation when people started using it. Exactly. I I mean, the same thing goes if you're creating a hashtag yourself, you need to make sure it's nothing that's been used in the past for something that maybe you don't want to be associated with. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it is something that people are using more and more of. And, and I'll be honest, I'm not a hashtag fan, even on Twitter. And I'm definitely not a hashtag fan on some of the other things because, you know, I always like it when people are just completely making them up and it's like, okay, don't, don't just make up a hashtag to be putting a hashtag in a post. But you know, then on the opposite side, I love hashtags like at conferences. Oh my gosh. You know, if, if there's a hashtag for a conference, I love it because it's a great way then for me to make connections with people who are at the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another thing to realize about hashtags is there's no way to protect them. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you can register a hashtag, but it's not like it's a copyright or, or anything like that. So, you know, you might have a really good hashtag and then, hey, somebody else starts using it exactly i see that happen a lot with conferences because people like sometimes there'll be legit promotions like oh if you're in town for this you should come over and Mm -hmm. try this but sometimes people just spam them because they're like oh look that's popular let me throw this in here Right, right. Well, and yeah, i've really seen that happen when you know when the conference is happening and especially if you've got a lot of people who are posting about it. So it does start trending. Maybe it's just trending in your area or, you know, wow, it'd be really cool if it started trending nationally. But yeah, then you've got the people who just jump on and start posting, hey, buy for me, buy for me, buy for me type of post. Exactly. Yeah. So anytime you're using a hashtag, those are all things to kind of keep in mind as other people can use them, definitely research them, think about any possible way they could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And just right, kind of right. like, I think McDonald's had a hashtag once that got blown up from people who Ooh. hate McDonald's. <laughs> I know, you know, and, and it's always uh, from, from our perspective, it's always interesting to watch these things because I do think sometimes, what were they thinking? <laughs> you know? Well, you, it comes from a good place. You're like, oh, share your great experience right. with us. And then if somebody's had a bad experience, they're like, oh, I'll share that with you. All right. <laughs> so right. it's, well, and, and it's, you know, it is something that happens because not everybody's happy with whatever it is. And, and so you have to be prepared for that. And, and I saw on your list of things that, that you like to, to work with people is reputation management. What happens when things go bad? And how do you, you know, what is your counsel when you're working with people? Um, well, reputation management isn't even necessarily like things don't have to go bad for you to need right. mm-hmm. <laughs> reputation mm-hmm. management. Um, in a lot of cases, you should start it before you even need it. So make sure that oh, you've yes. got like mm-hmm. a really solid, positive platform out there. So if something bad does come out, it's like the one, you know, like hopefully just the one bad thing amongst all the good things. Mm-hmm. And um, if you do have something serious happen, I think the biggest thing right now is just to be transparent about it. Just come out and say, hey, we acknowledge this happened. We're sorry. We're trying to fix it. 
you know, don't just assume that if you don't say anything about it, it's going to disappear because with social mm-hmm. media, especially it just, it won't in most cases. Right. So, and, and, um, and I mean, reputation management is also a really detailed thing too. Like for, I work with a lot of companies who have, you know, the software as a service. So, you know, you could be, mm-hmm. there could be like a forum out there and somebody's just like, oh, I just use this and it sucks, you know? And if you're not monitoring mm-hmm. your keywords, you're going to just have a trail of people who are all, yeah, I hate that too. And then if you don't jump mm-hmm. in, then it just kind of turns into a big hate train about you. <laughs> right. And, and it is something where I've seen businesses think, I'll ignore it. It will go away. And, you know, it's it's funny. It almost never does. Now, granted, there are things that, you know, yes, we do have the attention span of a gnat. And so pretty soon we do turn our attention elsewhere. But, you know, sometimes just five or six posts can be enough to really damage a business seriously. Yeah, because everybody, they jump on the bandwagon. Because, you mm-hmm. know, if, if one person says, I don't like it, somebody else is out there like, hey, you know what, I don't like that either. And then they just kind of come together and have a mutual mm-hmm. relationship about their hate. And <laughs> if you don't right. kind of get in there and say, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. Let me see if I can work this out for you. You know, even if that original person doesn't acknowledge you, other people will say, Oh, well that business cares enough to mm-hmm. just come in and try. Right. So it kind of slows well, down that. That, yeah, that <laughs> nasty trend. Well, and the whole thing with reputation management you mentioned is the fact that, you know, you want to have a good reputation to start with because then if something happens you've got all these positive supporters and, and that's the thing that, you know, the the business can say, Oh, we're sorry this happened and yada, yada, yada. And people go, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But if a whole bunch of other people start posting and saying, Hey, no, this is a great business. It's a great company. We love doing business with it. Then it really does tend to diffuse the situation pretty fast. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've used companies that like some people really don't like. And sometimes when I'd see people like bashing them, I'd be like, Hey, well, I've had a good experience with them. So, right. you know, mm-hmm. maybe you should try again or maybe you should try this person or something like that. You definitely want to have people who are going to come out to support you. And if you don't have enough of a positive reputation to begin with, then you're not going to have anybody come to do that support. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's something that you can encourage people to do. Now, obviously, it's, you know, thing uh, services like Yelp, they do get rather testy if you're telling people just to post your positive comments. I mean, because they want to provide unbiased. And, and so you want to make sure that you're not asking people, hey, tell them about you know your good experiences. Just tell people about your experience with us. But, you know, you've, you've mentioned several times that people have to monitor these things. So how does a company monitor what might be being said about them out there in, in this big old Internet world? Um, well, for starters, Google Alerts and Mention.com are good ways to kind of mention or uh, monitor the Internet and then social media sites for any mentions of your business. Um, mm-hmm. I know for local business, I can't remember the name of the companies, but there are um, services where it'll gather like all your different local directories and then it'll alert oh, okay. you to different, you know, hey, you've got a new review or you have a new comment mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so if you have local listings, that's definitely something to look into. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, just for normal business, the Google Alerts and Mention will usually catch most stuff that comes across publicly. I mean, you're not going to be able to get everything because people are going to have like, you know, the private profiles that they're just posting mm-hmm. to their friends. And mm-hmm. in most of those cases, you're never going to be able to reach or find those people. But the mm-hmm. more you could catch, the better. Right. You know, and, and what I love about Google Alerts is they're free, you know, and and so you can go in and set those up and you know, I've, I've done it for my name and I've done it with different spellings of my name so that I catch anything that might be out there. 
Yeah, that's a definitely a good way to go. And you can have that sent to your inbox even. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like a giant brand probably wouldn't want to do that because they would get flooded with stuff all day. Long. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, if you're Walmart, you're not setting up a Google alert. Exactly. You probably have more uh, enterprise level software to handle that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. like definitely, you know, just as a personal brand or, you know, just like a small business, that's something to set up, have it come to your mm -hmm. inbox. That way, every time something comes up, you can. And I mean, even positive stuff, you'll want to go out and say, hey, right. thanks for mentioning this or thanks for leaving mm -hmm. this review or something like that, because that's going to make the people who say positive things about you want to say more positive things about you. Right. So it doesn't have to be an all negative thing. It definitely helps to get alerted to negative things, but it can be a really positive kind of reputation management, mm -hmm. too. Right. Well, and, and it is important to acknowledge those positive things because, you know, we, it's, it's always annoying when we post something, you know, a comment, you know, whether we've gone on to Yelp or we've gone on to a Facebook business page or whatever, and we've said, Hey, I've really liked X, Y, Z. And then we hear crickets. It's like, well, I'm not going to bother doing that again. You know, and, and all it would take would be the business. It, it, you know what, if they just click the like button, I'm happy. Um, but it is something that I look at too. You know, if, if a company is never responding, then there might be a different problem there. Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes, you know, when it's a big brand, obviously they're not going to be able to get to everybody because right. they could uh -huh. have like millions of people talking right. at uh -huh. the same time. But if you have a smaller business, like sometimes just getting that little, Hey, thanks for mentioning us or, Ooh, we'll send you a mm -hmm. t-shirt for writing about a blog post. Like it just makes right. your company stand out in somebody's mind more than mm -hmm. anybody else's. Cause I get that a lot. Like I'll just mention a random tool that I use and I'm not really expecting anything out of it, but that company would be like, Oh, Hey, thanks for the mention. And like mm -hmm. their, their company just sticks in my brain the next time right. I'm writing about something similar. Right. Oh yeah. I've, I've got a great example of that. We've started using the service blue apron where you order, uh, prepackaged meals. Now you have to prepare them, but you get everything that you need except for salt, pepper, and olive oil. And, and so you get everything that you need. And we've got the service where it's, um, two people, three meals a week. And so, you know, I'll post about it on Facebook and I, and you know, usually I'm saying, Hey, this was great, but I always tag them. And they almost always then respond. And I just think that is the coolest thing. Yeah, definitely. The companies who do respond get a lot more like you just kind of make your basically your brand fans even more loyal to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, they've there was, you know, there have been posts where I've said, you know, I tried this a little bit different or I did that or oh, I didn't like that so much. And what I've liked is they they've responded appropriately. You know, it hasn't been a cut and paste type of thing. They've said, oh, you know, we've, we haven't thought about doing that ingredient or, you know, some things like that. And to me, that really does tie into the social part of social media. Exactly. You have to have a real person reading the responses. You can't just like, because I know there are services that says if somebody says this, you know, reply with that. And mm -hmm. like, you definitely need to be a real person and kind of say like, okay, I understand whatever you've just said and respond to it that way. Mm -hmm. Kind of like if you were talking to somebody in person, you wouldn't just say, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. You would say something <laughs> right. a little bit mm -hmm. unique with everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny because we, we start recognizing those, I don't want to say fake posts, but those canned posts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big user of TripAdvisor when we travel. And, you know, so I'll look up a hotel and, and I immediately look up, the, the comments from people. And if all the hotel has done is cut and pasted their response, you know, thank you for letting us know that your stay was, you know, and I'm like, really? 
they said something that you should have responded to specifically and you don't. Um, you know, to me, that's even worse than if they ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's, a, I don't, I don't know how TripAdvisor works, but sometimes it's the service itself. It'll give you like right. a mm-hmm. cut and paste answer. And some businesses are just like, oh, cool. Well, if they're suggesting I use this, I'll go ahead. Uh-huh. Kind of like the LinkedIn information, uh, invitations right. uh-huh. where it has that. Yes. Hey, I'd mm-hmm. like to I would like to, to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's the service's fault and the business's mm-hmm. fault because, you know, they provide that. So the business assumes that's what they're supposed to do and mm-hmm. yeah you know and I noticed that on Facebook on a business page that I manage where it had you know it had received several messages and and so I was going through and and responding and it had suggested responses that was the first time I'd ever seen that on Facebook yeah Facebook the messages are starting to give you the option to kind of make little canned responses and things mm-hmm. like that and it's kind of a catch-22 because like if you do have something that requires the exact same response every time it's definitely convenient but at the same time you kind of want to still customize it in some way right right you know and and what i did was i used the person's name um you know because i was responding directly to a message that they had sent and so i thought okay well you know it's it's nice to be able to put their name in there and but it was kind of nice that they did have that prepared response for me yeah i am i actually use that in gmail it's like uh, it's called canned responses it's one of Mm -hmm. the labs and um because i get a ton of emails that do require almost the same response every time but i put Mm -hmm. little personalization things like so it's their name or Mm -hmm. references exactly what they're talking about and Mm -hmm. i just know that every time i use that to make sure to change those things so if you are going to use any kind of you know canned system responses like that just know that you know every time you're going to have to make a little change to it Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. I had uh, an experience with somebody on LinkedIn where I had sent them a message. So it wasn't a request to connect. We were already connected. And I got back a canned response. And it was it was almost an well, it was an annoying canned response. It was, <laughs> hello, I am I am very busy. And so I only respond once a week. And and, you know, the funny thing was, this is somebody that I know very, very well. Mm -hmm. And so it was insulting when I got back this canned response. And so I responded with a personal email and I said, you know, I was insulted when I got this and they apologized profusely. And they, and they said, you know, they, it was one of those services that they were trying. And, and I said, you know, I got to tell you, it really was not something that I liked. Yeah, there are, um, like a lot of people are trying to outsource certain right. things mm-hmm. to just kind of free up their time. And it makes sense when you're super busy. Oh, yeah. but, uh, uh-huh. but at the same time, you know, whoever you're outsourcing to, no matter how good they are, they're not going to know your personal relationship with somebody. So they're just going to send you this, anyone the same exact information. So that's kind of what you have to mm-hmm. watch out for. Like my husband always tries to encourage me like, oh, you should get somebody to answer your emails for you. And I'm like, but nobody knows these people like I know these people and they might respond to somebody who should be talked to a certain way with something else. It's not going to apply mm-hmm. to them and it's just going to make a big mess. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have a backed up inbox and just do it myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, and you can have those little things that you're cutting and pasting, but then you personalize it. Exactly. Yeah. And I know how to personalize it to my audience because I know most of these people. I know, you know, mm-hmm. I've talked to them before, so I know how to talk to them you know, in the future and everything. So. Right. And, and of course the, the worst thing would be to turn somebody off who is wanting to actually say, Hey, Christy, I'd like to hire you. Yeah. And sometimes those emails come across in multiple ways because not everybody just straight out says, I'd like to hire you. Some people, you know, they're talking about something else and I can look at it and say, Mm -hmm. Oh, this person's trying to hire me. So let me answer a question in a way that's going to kind of lead them to that point. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. something only I can do or you know, right. somebody exactly like me could do. You know, another freelance writer could probably do it, but still not something I'm into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it is something that I think business owners, especially when we get very busy, we do start thinking, how can I simplify this process? And, you know, canned responses are one. I've gotten away from the auto posters like HubSpot and Buffer and, and things like that. And, you know, I loved them for a while because it really did simplify my life, especially when I was posting on, on you know, multiple sites and, and things like that. But I stopped using them because I wanted to be able to go to the site or to the page and and see, had people made comments? Was there something there that I needed to respond to? And and it just kind of made my life easier. It, it took a little bit longer time, but... You know, I liked being able to go to the site as opposed to just doing the auto posting. Yeah, I always suggest when you, because I use Buffer like pretty much all the mm-hmm. time. And um, I mm-hmm. always suggest that you should use that as a way to free up your time so you can right. do genuine, genuine engagement, mm-hmm. not just assume that Buffer will run my entire Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like in my case, you know, people will follow me on Twitter because they like the articles I share. So I'll schedule a bunch of articles that will go out mm-hmm. every day at certain times. Right. And then when I do go to Twitter, I'm just focused on, okay, who, who talked to me or who responded to an article, let me respond back mm-hmm. to them, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah, it definitely should be, anything like that should be used to free up your time for more engagement as opposed to less engagement. Mm-hmm. Well, and the cool thing, of course, with Buffer is, you know, maybe you sit down and, and the first hour of your day, you're reading articles. And you're thinking, oh, I want to share this. That's where Buffer really comes in handy because then, you know, you can, and, and what I love about Buffer especially is the fact that if you're sharing across multiple platforms, it will mix it all up. So, you know, maybe it goes out at one o'clock on Tuesday on Facebook, but it goes out at three o'clock on Friday to LinkedIn. So, you know, it's, it's, and, and I don't know why I like that feature. I guess it's just because I'm thinking, well, if, if somebody is, you know, I'm connected with them on all of those sites, they're not getting flooded with the same article at once. And maybe if they missed it on Tuesday, they'll see it on Friday. Exactly. And in general, like even if you're using it just for Twitter, for example, like you're Mm -hmm. not going to go to your, you know, subscriptions every day and read like one an hour and then post it one an hour. Right. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, you don't want to send like 20 articles within like, you know, within an hour. Right. That's just, Mm -hmm. that's You want to stagger them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I do is like, I'm usually on Feedly either in the mornings or in the evenings and I have it Mm -hmm. connected to if this, then that. Uh So what it does is when I'm reading an article, I can be like, oh, I like this article. I think my audience would like it. So I'll hit the save for later or favorites or the little bookmark kind of thing. And what mm-hmm. it does is um, the IFTTT thing says, okay, she favorited this. I'm going to add it to Buffer. And then Buffer puts Ooh. it in the schedule and it just kind of goes out on a little, you know, the mm-hmm. timer and everything. Nice. I like that. You know, and, and now I know with Buffer, there's a free and a paid version. And I actually use the paid version because I use it enough. Uh, what about if then, then well, I'm not going to say it right. <laughs> if. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot easier to write than it is to say. I know, I know. Is, is there a free and or a paid version of it? Um, well, that service is actually free all by itself, but some things okay. you need a paid service with the other programs you're trying to connect. Because okay. like Feedly, there's a paid version that you have to use to use that service to connect its Buffer, okay. which Buffer, I use the paid version too, because I have mm-hmm. hundreds of things Buffer. <laughs> So, um, yeah, a lot of the, like the service itself, the, if this and that is free, but like sometimes the applications you're connecting to are okay. paid. 
Right. Well, and, and we're not talking about a lot of money. I mean, you know, it's, it is something that you do have to, to think, okay, is it freeing up my time and what is the value of my time? That's usually what I tell clients is, you know, the best thing to think of. And then they go, oh, okay. So 20 bucks a month really isn't a big deal. Exactly. It's interesting when you're looking at pricing for stuff, because sometimes you might be like, oh my goodness, this one's way more expensive than that one. But if you're using mm -hmm. like six smaller tools at like a really low price that right. you could be using mm -hmm. one main tool at a higher price, you know, the value would probably kind of make sense to spend right. the higher mm -hmm. amount to be using just one thing versus trying to use six things and make them work together. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you still, and I'm going to say this again, you still have to go to those sites to look at things. Um, you know, the, the one that are driving me nuts right now are the people who auto post to Facebook from Twitter and so then if you respond in Facebook, they don't see it unless they go to Facebook. And that bothers me, you know, because there are times where I have, have basically said, hello, I would like to give you money. And they don't respond because they're only on Twitter. And it's like, okay, if you're not going to do it, then don't have it auto post onto Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. That's, um, that's actually one of the things I talk about in content promotion is like so many people are on like, they, everybody has their own favorite network. So you might just yes. be like, well, I'm just going to post it on Twitter and hope that everybody finds it. But you might have that one person who's just like, I love Google Plus. So if you don't post it on Google Plus, they're never going to see it. And right. the same thing goes. They're the one person who's posting it, but that's. <laughs> yeah, depending on your industry, like Mark, oh, yeah. photography is still really popular. Oh, Google yes. Plus, mm -hmm. some other things, not so much. But um, but yeah, that's why I always talk about like you really kind of do have to be on all the social platforms, just because you never know where you've got those like huge raving fans who are just like, we only love Instagram or we only love LinkedIn, right. and it kind of spreads you out a little bit. But at the same time, you get more people because, like with my business, mm -hmm. I get. I get things through, like I get people who want client inquiries through Twitter DMs and get mm -hmm. them through right. private messages on Instagram or LinkedIn mm -hmm. or Google Plus. So I kind of have to be checking all of those different little channels. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's just like, you know, the, the business owner has to check their voicemail. They have to check their email. These are just a couple other little things that, that we're saying they need to check. Exactly. And, you know, it, it can be annoying, but at the same time, if you just put it as a part of your routine, even if it's just once mm -hmm. a day that you just kind of cycle through and check all of that stuff. Right. Once it's part of your routine, you don't really think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is that if you have a presence on those sites, you do need to be checking them, you know, because it, it is, it's absolutely horrible. If somebody says we want to do business, we want to refer to you, whatever, and you have ignored it because especially on social media, then they're going to start saying, oh, you know, I tried to reach so-and-so and they never responded and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other side of that too, is like people who use the mobile apps. Cause this is something I'm really yes. guilty of oh, yeah. is I'll mm -hmm. see a message on my mobile app in the morning and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to answer that when I get to my computer. Uh -huh. And then by the time yep. I've gotten to my computer, it no longer shows that it's a notification. I've forgotten mm -hmm. about it. So yep. when you get that stuff, you either just need to respond to it or you need to leave it alone until you get somewhere mm -hmm. else where you can respond to it. Right. Well, and, and I like it on the, I forget which one it is where I can still tell it, no, leave that as unread. Maybe it's messages in, in Facebook. Um, you know, because then when I see it's unread, it's like, okay, unread means do something with it. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like you mark your emails, the same thing has to happen mm -hmm. with the social network right. messages. You right. need to either mark them, respond to them, something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Christy, tell people how they find you online and how they connect with you. Uh, well, my main website is just christyhines.com, and my Twitter profile is at Kikolani, which is K-I-K-O-L-A-I. 
N I. <laughs> it's always funny because I, I can spell things out really fast writing, but it's harder for me to say them. <laughs> but yeah, those are probably the two main places to connect with me. And I have a ton of other social profiles out there that I'm checking to on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. Facebook and things like that. So great. And, and your, your name is K R I S T I Heinz.com. Yes. And H I N E S, not the ketchup version. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. Or, you know, I, you know and, and that's the funny thing. When we start getting very creative with our names, it's like, oh, dear. Um, you know, people ask me, are you Deborah or Deborah? And I'm like, no, I'm Deborah, <laughs> which is part of the reason I started just going to Deb. You <laughs> made life easier. Like three letters, everybody gets this. <laughs> yes, yes. Easy to use. So, Chrissy, we've got just a couple minutes left. You know, if you say you're you're talking to me, I'm a brand new business owner and I'm I'm thinking, oh, what do I need to do and what what should my priorities be? Because I do only have 28 hours in my day and somewhere in there I have to eat and sleep and, you know, talk to the kids and, and you know, do all these other things. And hello, I have to sell a product. What should my priorities be? Um, For online marketing as a whole, I always tell people to start with looking at their competitors because that's really going to kind of help you focus in on things because you can, for example, social media, you can look at somebody's Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Instagram and Pinterest and all the different networks. And what you'll see after a while is like they're getting a lot of response on this one network, but no response on this other one. And that'll kind of help you focus on, okay, I definitely want to be on Facebook versus LinkedIn kind of thing. So um, I always tell people to start with their competitors because that's going to give them a good idea of what's working, what's not, because obviously those people have been trying for, you know, if you're just starting out and they've Mm -hmm. been at it for years, they know what works and what doesn't. Okay. And um, from that point, it's really just kind of what you could dedicate yourself to. Because, I mean, even if your competitors are posting a blog post every day, if you know you're not going to be able to do something quality every single day, then at that point, you just have to say, you know what, I'm going to do one post a week. I'm going to make it awesome. I'm going to go from there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Great. And they can always contact you because you are a writer, you're a ghostwriter, you're a copywriter, and you can help them with this process. Yes, I've, I've definitely worked with a lot of people and can at least point them in the right direction. So, mm-hmm. Great. Well, you know, we've, we do have just a couple more minutes. So what do you see are the upcoming trends? You know, what do we think is going to happen next year? Um, next year, who knows? <laughs> right. I know. Yeah, you know, of course, in the, the whole social media world, next week is sometimes hard to, to predict. Yeah, exactly. Because like, there's the whole rise of live video that seems to have happened within a span of six months, like the mm-hmm. Periscope and then the Meerkat. Right, and Blab and yeah. And Blab, yeah, that was the that was a surprise for me because I'm like, everybody's into Meerkat and Periscope and oops, this thing, other thing just kind of popped up and now everybody loves it. So yeah, just with social media, you never know. You have to kind of be willing to be flexible with it. Like even your Facebook page design could change from one day to the mm-hmm. next. So, right. you know, Instagram releases their ads to everybody. Everybody just kind of fans out. Um, so <laughs> um, with that kind of thing, a lot of it's just testing and a lot of it's knowing what's, you know, important in your industry because, you know, Blab might be important to some people, but other people have no interest in watching live video. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you see your people talking about the talking heads phenomenon, probably not the thing you should be doing. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, a lot of it's just kind of trial and error, you know, try it out, see if it works. If it doesn't, just kind of move on. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being defeated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the thing to keep in mind is try it. And if it works, that's great. If not, then move on. You know, don't think, oh, my gosh, I have a Facebook page. I'm going to keep struggling with my Facebook page. No. 
you know, either fix it or move on. Exactly. Yeah. And you could always use like, you know, just leave a last post, just like, Hey, we're more engaged over on Twitter, that kind of mm -hmm. thing, just to let people yep. know, but accept the fact that if you've started it, some people are still going to find you there and just kind of mm -hmm. keep an eye on it. Right. Well, Christy, this has been great. I've been talking with Christy Hines and we've been talking about a variety of subjects, but tell us one last time, Christy, how people find you. Um, ChristyHines.com is probably going to be the main source. I've got a contact form on that. So, you know, if you ever want to contact me about anything, that's, that's a great place to go to. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this really has been great. Um, I have to have you on again because there's so much that we have to talk about. And so we will do that. And so thank you, Christy. Oh, thank you. Great. Well, and to everyone out there, have a great day. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>